Welcome everybody to this edition of the Talent Ed podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking to Nikki Keys uh, from CapDesk. CapDesk is a platform that helps every private company make the most of its equity. It's grown uh, since 2015 to over 50 employees and um, has been named as one of the Otter Rocket Lists companies to watch um, in 2021. So it's got some great things going on. Uh, today, you can expect to hear lots on what to think about when you're scaling and how to scale your team successfully, who you might want to bring on board, and um, how to keep that team motivated as you grow from a small company into a much larger one. Some of the technology that you might want to consider using to do that. And of course, um, some of the processes that you might want to put in place to achieve that. So over to you, Nikki, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and sort of, you know, your, your experience to this point. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so um, as Sophie mentioned, so I currently work at a, ca- a company called CapDesk. I joined, yeah, in September. So sort of in the thick of the, uh, the pandemic, somewhere between the middle mark. So, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey and, and uh, I've really enjoyed it albeit obviously had the challenges of, of starting a company remotely, as lots of people know. Um, but yeah, I've been working in startups for about nine or 10 years now. So secretly giving away my age there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I actually fell into startups, uh, to be completely truthful. Um, after I graduated from university, um, loads of people told me I should work in PR. Don't know why, but people told me I should. So I thought, right, I'll do PR. Uh, worked <laughs> very, very brief stint in PR. And then um, I was introduced to a startup called One Fine Stay um, by a, a friend and, well, a university friend. Of mine. So I worked there and then it's kind of just kind of snowballed from there. So over the last year, nine or so years, I've, um, I've been really lucky, actually, with uh, having worked at some, some really exciting um, startups along the way completely random industries I've definitely been a pretty industry agnostic yeah, I was gonna say you've gone from clothing marketplace cat yeah. food <laughs> hospitality I've done yeah I've got it I've done the social marketplace I've done beauty I've done hotels all sorts um but yeah I think it's one of those I remember actually on my very first induction day when I started at one fine stay when I was in my early 20s and I remember the HR manager said to me there was a group of maybe about six or seven of us who were all starting within the same weeks we had our same induction and I remember she said to me working in startups is addictive I guarantee every single one of you in this room in 10 years time are going to be working in a startup and that is true all of us who are in the room (laughs) working in a startup um so it's been yeah it's been it's been really exciting um my like I said the industries have been quite varied so I've worked the likes of Depop and Blue LTD and Triptease um but my roles have always been centered around managing and scaling customer or client facing teams um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Or, or community teams if we're talking about Depop. So I, again, this seems to be a, a theme here, but I, again, I sort of fell into line man- management. Um, there was an opportunity at my first company to manage a sort of multidisciplinary team of very random different roles within one regionalized function and I was terrified I think I was like 23 absolutely terrified of doing it but I think I just very quickly found that that was like my area of expertise or the area that I maybe had a more natural flair for and really enjoyed so I kind of made sure that I kind of continued the trend of what I've been doing since then so yeah worked in startups completely different stages 
Um, I was even most recently actually before CapDesk doing some consultancy for like a four person, really tiny little startup. Um, and obviously working at Depop when we grew really exponentially over those first two years. Um, and with my stays now, you know, it was, it was acquired by a call. So absolutely really varied stages. Um, and it's funny because like the challenges that you experience are all actually a variation of the theme, um, which I guess is the beauty of working in startups, right? Like if you work at a startup over the course of X number of years and you experience, you know, a bunch of different challenges, you're most likely going to experience a similar kind of challenges, but just know how to tackle them better at the next startup. So I think that's the, that can be the beauty in your kind of professional development within a startup. You're kind of constantly iterating every time you move on because uh, you can learn from your mistakes. So yeah, I've had a really exciting and, and been very fortunate to work for some really great companies and led some very, very, uh, very awesome, like I say, customer and client facing teams over the years as well. And that's the thing, I think, um, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head that actually it could be a variety of industries or products or platforms that you're working for. But would you say there's kind of a, a core, um, well, we, we talked about last time we spoke, we talked about sort of having those fundamental um, values and strategy. Um, would you say that's kind of pretty consistent across all of them? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, again, it's kind of depends at what stage you are with growing your team. Um, if I'm looking at a more kind of, you know, secular view from, from what I'm, I'm doing, you know, if you're, yeah, inheriting, sure. if you're inheriting a really large team versus you're building a team from scratch, obviously it can, it can definitely, it can definitely vary. I think that there's, you know, everyone talks about this startup mentality and you want to hire people who just, you know, who thrive in startup world and things like that. And I think it's just ultimately, I mean, I don't really like that phrase because I think it, A, it's so broad and it doesn't really mean much, but I think it's essentially, you're trying to find people who want to evolve and want to learn at a really rapid pace. Um, you don't ever want to hire people who, you know, are, are just going to be comfortable. You want people who want to be outside of their comfort zone and thrive doing that. And I think startups, you know, you, you kind of have to act in that way um you know no the classic saying no day is the same um and that's very very much true and I think that also you you know when you are certainly in the first let's say sorry about that first 10 years or so of your career most people don't really know what they're you know most people don't know really what they want to do or very few people know have a have a really concrete idea of what they want to do so finding those people who really value the experience of working at a startup and understand that it's exposing you to so many different things in the company you know in what company can you you know in any given day you're talking to someone in finance in marketing and sales and wherever else and you're being exposed to so many different corners of the business that even if your you know your role is called customer success manager or whatever it might be the fact that you are you're you know you're you're um broadening your horizons and you're learning so much more just by nature of working in a startup I think you need to find people who see such a huge value in that yeah, um, absolutely so yeah someone said to me um get comfortable being uncomfortable and that's really stuck with me because obviously you know chapter two is also a scaling company and yeah. and we work with scaling companies so um so I could a lot of um you know what you're saying absolutely resonates with me and the team definitely and I think that really hit the nail on the head you know get used to, uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable because you absolutely have to be out of your comfort zone and you have to be willing to you know get involved in in different things that potentially you might not have to if uh if you were working for a big organization and you know, you had your set, your set role and your set department and, 
I think that's and also I think an element of that when you're saying you have your set role and everything's kind of laid out for you I think there also has to be an element you have to you know you have to have an, you have to be somewhat dynamic in the sense of you know you're it's very unlikely unless you're working for a startup that's you know been around for eight nine ten years or whatever um where you're coming into an incredibly structured role where you have level one level two and level three and you know exactly where you're going up and it's really really well defined there is just an all of an element of like things do change and things evolve and that kind of thing and I think that especially in the earlier stages and the beginning of scale-ups you have to I think finding employees who kind almost like you know relish working in an environment when there is a slight element of unknown but they appreciate that there might be an opportunity in six months time that we weren't even aware about that the company that we might be able to offer <laughs> it's, it's 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 like fostering that excitement you know about working in startups that yeah we can't you know your progression plan might not be defined for the next four years in the company however so many opportunities will very likely arise as a result of the company growing so quickly um and if you're in you're in a perfect position if you're working in the company to snap up those kind of new opportunities that arise absolutely so it sounds as though you um in your experience it's kind of a not a particular type of person necessarily. I don't want to say, you know, you've got to be, um, keep put people in a box, but, um, you know, you've got to have um, a certain drive or a certain um, openness to kind of trying new things, being uncomfortable, as we said. And and um, how, how have you, for those kind of startups who are very much at the beginning of their, their journey with it, um, you know, they might be, they might may have just received um, some seed funding and they might be looking to grow their teams. How how would you sort of um, advise them to, to start to find those people, I suppose? Yeah, I think certainly at that stage in any any startups sort of um, journey, I think one really important factor for very early stage founders to consider and really assess is if you are in the founding team you will have big gaps in your experience and your expertise. So I think it's really important that even if you are in, you are likely going to be in one of the senior positions as a founding team member, you need to find those people earlier on who you're hiring into your team that fill those gaps. So yes. it's, you know, let's, let's think about maybe you have a founding team who come from a very scientific background and may have never actually managed people before, as an example, or have had very, very little customer facing interaction as part of their career. You know, that's a very obvious one to pick out, but then, you know, the most logical approach would be, right, so we need someone in our team who has got this specific area of experience or, or, or skill set that we lack in the founding team. Um, I think that in terms of experience is a really important one for founding members to, um, to, to, to think about and consider. And then I think that, again, it's actually quite unusual to find someone who, unless they've had loads of experience doing it previously, but then they're probably gonna be very expensive. Um, it's actually very unusual to find someone who really, really, really thrives in an environment where there's practically no structure they have so much autonomy to do what they want um, and build what they want so I think you know I for me a lot of that I think would be through having quite a 
I don't know, not an interview process, but a bit of a vetting process. Because if, for example, you're not hiring someone that's got loads of experience, you need to really suss them out and whether you think that you'd be able to throw them in the deep end and they would have very little structure and have to get used to constant pivoting and changing in direction and really thrive in that. So I think it's a more of a vetting process rather than, you know, I, I, rather more than anything, um, because actually finding those people is is quite difficult. Absolutely. And I remember you said before about managing their expectations as well, you know, making sure that they understand when they're coming in, who knows where they've come from, maybe it's another startup, or maybe it's, a, you know, one of the big tech firms or, or whatever it might be. And so managing their expectations is really key as well. Yeah, um, definitely. definitely. And I think that, again, you have to find you know people always talk about how everyone who works in a startup is like a mini entrepreneur that kind of thing which again sounds quite cringe but I think that's especially true for um for seeds seed like level companies you know you want to you almost the ideal situation is finding someone who is is striving to set up their own company one day and they want to experience those really early days um where they kind of have their fingers and lots of different pies and you know they're getting involved in, in all core corners in the business yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, we do a lot of work, obviously, with, um, with scale up companies who maybe have um, some infrastructure in place in terms of their processes and, mm. and the technology that they're using, or they may have none. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, our first, our first, um, you know, strategy meeting or whatever it might be to, to really understand kind of who they want to to bring into their business, why they want to bring them into the business, and then making sure that the processes reflect that, you know, so it's not kind of a haphazard approach. Because like you said, these people are really top, top talent are really hard to find. And if you want them to um, join, like you said, I remember you saying you can sell the dream, but then of course it's got to be, um, you've got to have meant it. Yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be a reality. Um, so I, I think that that is absolutely key yeah. to, to every um to every scale up whether they realize it or not initially um yeah and then I was, sorry, say, go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in you know especially in the recruitment process for roles um you have to find the right balance of being you know uh, giving them a very strong vision of the company and really trying to motivate them and, and inspire them to work for your company but also mesh that in with you know a lot of reality in saying this part of your role is going to be a challenge and will be XYZ. Um, and I think that it, it sounds like an obvious thing to do, but it does get missed a lot by companies. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. Well, you'd be surprised, like it's crazy, you know, when you actually start to understand, it, it definitely does. Mm. Um, and then if we just have a look a little bit of a look as um at where you are today with Capdesk. So I mean, I've been doing some research. Yeah. And um, you do some pretty good things. So in terms of getting out there and making sure that um, potential candidates um, that give you that ability to scale actually know about you, know what a day in the life at CapDesk is. Yeah. Um, you seem to be doing it pretty well. Like you've got <laughs> some really great fun stuff going on. Um, even things like I noticed like the queue launches mm -hmm. you know that makes a, re a quarterly review sound really fun <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so I think that you've nailed that one um, yes first mentality um, you know just things like that I think um, is that kind of something that's you know hot hot on your your guys list to making sure that you are attracting top talent 
Definitely. Um, and I think that Capdesk is at that really interesting and probably all too familiar stage in their journey that lots of um, companies at sort of Series A um, feel, whereby, you know, you've got a team of, say, like 30 odd people. Um, your presence and your reputation is starting to build and people are starting to hear about you. Other companies are starting to become more aware of you, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't quite yet have that level of employer, you know, employer branding. Um, that a lot of other slightly more well-established startups um, startups have. So, you know, Capdesk isn't quite at the stage yet where we post job posting and then we just get flooded with thousands of applications. You know, we're not quite at that stage yet because we still have some work um, work to do in our, our, you know, in our kind of like employer branding and external facing content, which we're trying to build. And we're trying to make it, you know, as feel as authentic as possible. Um, you know, so many, what's so exciting about working in the startup scene now versus, 10 years ago is that companies are they have the platform actually to do such innovative and really creative out-of-the-box thinking like with you know our, our quarterly kickoffs like you were saying you know we now have the platform to be able to do like a radio style interviews for them which means that people don't have to sit in front of their screen all day and read slide decks and things like that um you know we did like a a virtual gig with so far sounds and things like that which you know was well impossible probably 10 years ago in fact um so we you know it, it's it's important to you know stay authentic to our values but also show that we are part of the game in turn not the game but part of the um you know part of the network of companies that are trying to do things a little bit differently um yes. and really put the employers you know and our employees first and everything that we're doing listening to them and and acting on all of their feedback for things that you know things that we try and iterate on um, but we do put a lot of emphasis into it. We don't have, we don't even have an internal dedicated team for all of this. This is just purely through shared ownership and, and, and you know, shared input from the people that work at Capdesk alongside their normal day-to-day jobs. Yeah, yeah. It's a real team effort. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's probably the thing. When you start off as a small team, you don't necessarily have a dedicated role focusing on that or, you know, a dedicated team uh, focusing on the employer branding or, or just looking after the recruitment so it you know it sounds as though it's got to be a bit of a team effort really definitely and yeah it has to be and and I think that you know and I think that everyone at Capdesk is really behind all the initiatives that you know the team the team carry out um, and people genuinely just have such positive things to say about, which has a huge impact on people's morale especially now yes. um, when everything is done remotely um, so having those kind of, you know, authentic kind of socials and, and touch points with people outside of a work setting needs yeah. to be special because you don't have that physical interaction with them. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, um, obviously, you've you've worked for some amazing companies and they've been really successful. So, any of them as an example, really. I mean, obviously, Depop's so well known. One Fine Stay really well known. Is it? Uh, how do you see things how do you keep that um the employer the employee sorry as the the core um focus as you grow to say four to 50 people how do you how can you do that I think there's a bunch of different ways uh I mean I've, I've seen it done very well I've seen it not not done particularly well and I think <laughs> yeah we need we need the successes we also need the things that haven't gone so well you know yeah exactly um and I you know certainly have been part on both sides of those um but I think that 
especially when you're growing from, you know, when you have a very, very tight knit team, the one uh -huh. big thing that's going to jolt people definitely is a, they once had a say in everything and they were asked their opinion on everything. And all of a sudden they have very defined functions and teams in the business. And suddenly in a team, you know, in a world where someone in tech would very easily, you know, be giving some input on a marketing initiative when there's yeah. five of them all of a sudden, very unusual for them to have any kind of input on that. So I think yeah. one thing is finding that balance. Um, and that balance is certainly just through very, very, very uh, rigorous streams of communication. So I think that as that as an example, even if you can't work with the, closely with the marketing team anymore, it's responsibility for that marketing leader to make sure that they're always surfacing projects that they're working on, what their, you know, what their um what their targets and their and their strategies are etc and uh, also uh -huh. foster, definitely fostering a culture of anyone can chat to me about this if you see that I'm working on this certain campaign and you've got you know thoughts on it please approach me about it it's definitely not like a, a siloed thing so I think that's something that companies and functional leaders have to be very aware of especially with um, employees who have been there since day dot I think another thing is that again, as the team gets bigger and you are naturally adding more layers of management, you know, you've gone from basically a completely flat structure, then you might have a couple of layers of management between, let's say, the CEO um, and, and the rest of the company. It can be very, again, obvious thing to say, but it can be so very, very quickly can the communication from the CEO and the board, the next level of management to the next level, and then all of a sudden it barely gets trickled down as to why we're suddenly doing why something suddenly changed or the direction suddenly changed yeah um and I, again i've seen it the mistake being made of you know a manager saying look we're just getting pressure on the board to do this so we're now going to focus on this instead of this we're not giving that context and not not bringing people along that journey you know and and keeping them very very informed as to the whys and the hows things are changing and you know why things ultimately will probably pivot or whatever it might be I think that that sort of that essence should never falter no matter if you are a five-person team or even a hundred-person team people need to know the whys and the hows and not just be told that things are changing um without any context otherwise they're not oh, yeah with it no absolutely and I mean I it's I don't want to dwell on you know the pandemic because hopefully that word we will be coming out of that soon but do you feel like that's been harder during the past year has it been kind of you know even more difficult to, to make sure that that communication is going out or actually has it kind of brought the team together I actually you know what I actually think I mean, the, bring the team together, I, I think, is a slightly different matter. But I think in terms of um, providing visibility and transparency over, you know, over those kind of changes and, you know, typically conversations that would be had in the office amongst smaller groups of people in meeting rooms and that kind of thing. Whereas now, you know, it's so I personally think it's so much easier for a senior member of staff to send out a message to everyone on Slack, whatever it might be, to kind of just give everyone an FYI or you know, our CEO, for example, Christian is really good at giving Loom updates. So he'll just do record a quick Loom for everyone and just send it to the whole company. Love um, that. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's not as disruptive, constantly <laughs> organizing <laughs> company-wide meetings to update everyone or having an information overload in the weekly town hall or whatever people call their company-wide meetings. Um, so it kind of has that more asynchronous sort of update and, and, and communication so I think I personally think if anything it's forced leaders to communicate more because you don't have that 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 face-to-face -face interaction 
And I think that's that's a really good um, individual tip, but I'm sure that, you know, there's many, even, I know you mentioned before, things like technology have made um, the scale-up journey different, maybe easier, maybe it's wrong to say easier, but, you know, having things like Loom, um, yeah. I'm sure. So is that something you kind of have experienced from, like, let's say your Depop days? Yes, definitely. I think that, you know, the technology, like the technology um, and all the different platforms that were on offer, you know, X number of years ago versus now, I think has made a huge, a huge difference. You know, things like, um, I'm not sponsored by these two things. <laughs> no, we need recommendations, you know, like there's, no, such a, there's such a range of different tools and platforms that people yeah. can use. Like if you know one that works well, please yeah. like share. Exactly. But the likes of, you know, which everyone knows, Notion, um, I mean, Notion is an amazing tool for asynchronous working and especially now. And, and I personally feel as as a manager and I hope also that the people that I manage feel as well. You just have a lot more vis visibility over what people are doing um, and there's way more collaboration in that sense. So it sounds really silly, but like if I know that, mm, you know, a couple of members of my team have got a side project on something, I can literally just pop into their Notion page and just see like, oh, what they what, you know, what they've been most recently discussing, what they've been doing. Um, more so out of nosiness but it also does just provide that kind of um that level of transparency I guess um and similarly I have like a project board in my notions so if my team were like oh I've not spoken to Nikki you know today I wonder what she's been up to <laughs> they yeah. Can, <laughs> yeah. Sounds, you know it sounds silly but I think that it's yeah I think but I think more so than anything I think asynchronous working has definitely transformed um how efficient more than anything I think how efficient um startups and scale it well I'm sure bigger companies as well, but in my knowledge, startups and scale-ups can work, um, you know, and, you know, there's a lot more kind of project management tools that have definitely helped, like monday.com, you know, I think is brilliant. So, yeah, I think that technology has helped. And what's also been really lovely to see in the startup ecosystem is just by nature of the beast, there are just, there's a startup for everything everything that you think of is like oh there's a, there's a startup that's just yeah, you know, exactly. launched for that random tiny <laughs> you know like clipper for your plant or something like really random stuff but what's been great about that is that it's it's facilitated this network effect of startups working with startups so so if we as a company you know think oh we want to work with a new expense you know expenses platform I think by nature we would favor working with a different you know choosing a startup um, of course, yeah. you know it's an element of kind of like camaraderie and wanting to support one another and yeah. you can suddenly enter a realm of knowing about more startups and people in your team do as well yeah and also I think I, I completely agree and again you know from with my with my scale up hat on um I think that we can offer more um flexibility and we can be more agile compared to a larger company um, and so that's what lends itself so well then when we're partnering with scale-ups because, you know, they need that. They need us to be able to um, be agile, to pivot as and when it's needed. There's nothing sort of fixed. Um, so so I completely understand that. And I, I agree definitely that, um, you know, everyone wants to sort of support each other, you know. So um, that's a nice place to be, isn't it? It's got a nice feeling of uh, camaraderie. Definitely. Um, and we're in quite a lucky position in the sense that um, by nature of Capdesk as a, as a business, startups are our customers because we obviously are, yeah. our, our platform is catered from you know, seed to exit yeah. companies. So 
um you know that's again that kind of that network and that ecosystem just feels even stronger as well which is yeah which is definitely a very nice thing to be part of yeah no absolutely and i think um when we we hosted a, a webinar event recently and um uh one of our panelists um lorenzo spina who is uh, heads up the the talent team at peak and mm -hmm. um, one of the questions for him was um about as you scale does your evp become about business and the business achievements and objectives yeah. um and uh so he was sat alongside sort of mel punch who does the same for investec and and corey arcade from the collinson group so a real array of sort of sized companies but it was just really a resounding um you know no from the audience um sorry from the panel in the sense of no definitely not it doesn't matter if it's five people or five thousand people it really needs to continue to be about um the, the the employees you know and the team absolutely definitely and i think that again you know i get a, a very very cliche thing to say but it just is so true which is probably why it's a cliche um your employees make your company um you know they <clears throat> you can have a phenomenal product but you will not succeed unless you have some really great people supporting building it and um and growing it so yeah I, I completely agree your evp should just should never waver um and it should certainly um it should certainly always stand incredibly strong i think it's quite normal for you know i can think i think it's quite normal for your 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 values as your company values to maybe shift slightly as you grow as a company i think that's i think that's relatively normal but I think that again needs to be very, very separated from you know company values versus you know how you how you your proposition for your employees and how you value them and, and the type of people that you hire and that should never yeah definitely should never waver. I think that you know the things that will change organically as you grow as a company. You know I think we were we were talking about this last time we spoke, but you know when you are in earlier stages in your journey you need and you and you you definitely feel the need to hire people who are you know these real you know self-starters who you know you basically just give them a problem they'll go away and they'll work their magic um, yeah. very independent they've got a lot of self-drive they're super ambitious um you know they just want to learn loads and uh, you know and progress really quickly and i think that's great and i think certainly to jumpstart your business over the first few years that's a that's a, a definite necessary yeah but as we were saying you kind of get to a point where you need a mix of different people and I think it's really important for businesses to um to really identify when that balance is then started to need so you know if you hire a, a huge team of self-starters super ambitious etc you're gonna you know your employee churn is then, then all of a sudden gonna hit an all-time high because there's only so many people that you can promote and evolve into different roles and and um you know give them the opportunities as quickly as they want them to um come about and so i think that gets to a point where you just think you know the profile of the person you know are they a typical startup person or do you need someone who's going to come in work damn hard and yes they'll challenge you and do all the things that obviously um that that sort of lead to the success but 
maybe they're quite happy doing their role for the next three, four, five years, and they've been doing it the past three, four, five years, and they're not going to come knocking your door in, in six months, one year's time, and wanting the next challenge and wanting the next opportunity, because that's when startups, you know, they, they, I think a lot of, a lot of startups experience that, that challenge, but sometimes they experience it, you know, they realise a little too late, <laughs> um, yeah. that they start finding that balance in people. Their core values remain the same, the type of people that you're hiring, but it's more so their, you know, the different paces of, of how quickly you want to progress and, and motivations that need to, that you need to balance out. I think that's really good advice. I think that's I think that's something that people maybe don't consider. And and you're absolutely right. You know, you don't want a company full of exactly the same people. You know, you really do need um, a diverse group of people to bring the best um, to to the best to to the company to the strategy and to the goals and everything. So, and, and you're right. I don't know whether necessarily people think about that until potentially it's too late. So I think that's that's really great advice. Um, so, we, so a big thing for us at Chapter Two is about people, process, technology. Like this is how we work, and obviously we touched on on people. Uh, people, uh, we've talked a little bit about some of the technology um, that you think could could help um, a scale up scale. Um, what about process? Is there anything, any um, kind of experiences that you've had, or, or things that you would kind of look recommend that they start to look to put in place to? to make sure that they are achieving what they need and also thinking a little bit about the candidate experience as well. Um, yeah, I think that one thing actually that immediately popped to mind when, I was, when you asked this question was um, one process that's worked really well um, is when you're setting targets and goals for the quarter, whether you use OKRs or any other kind of target setting, which I assume most people do use OKRs, um it can be all too tempting for leaders to set the okrs and then tell their teams this is your okr these are your okrs for the quarter i've always seen the best success when you share the brainstorming of your okrs and you set all your okrs with your team um no matter how junior they are you know you might have someone in the room that's only been working there for a month straight out of university but you just don't know they might come up with a really good idea even if they don't just have bringing them on that journey of setting the OKRs will mean that they feel so much more invested and motivated by them rather than at the, you know, at the beginning of each quarter, the manager saying, right, here are three OKRs for the quarter, blah, blah, blah. They're just going to listen, hear them and probably forget about them in a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What are OKRs for this quarter? They're probably going to say no. Um, whereas if they, if you bring them on that journey of setting, you know, those kind of, um, those kind of targets, um, and goal setting I think that has a huge impact so no matter what size your company is you should be doing that for sure um, I think also with again another hot topic I think like we were just discussing with progression um, so I'm not going to initially go to users about like how to structure one-to-ones and those kind of processes but a hot topic that's been for us and I think is probably one thing I read actually was that the most common area of like challenged area within any startup is employees not feeling that they have enough career progression yeah. I think in the majority of engagement employee engagement service uh, surveys that tends to be the area that comes out weakest there are some companies I think they're very far and few in between that have amazing career progression frameworks but they're usually a lot more well established and they have a lot of resource behind it uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the cap desk is that right 40-ish people yeah um, it can feel like the onus is very much on the manager to 
come up with a career progression for everyone in your team. But I think that a very good way of approaching, I mean, I'm a big believer that the individual should have the ownership of their career progression. It's their responsibility. It's not responsibility to your manager to carve out your career progression for you. You have to have to take responsibility. But I think that in terms of, uh, you know, approach that and the process is very much like being a connector manager with that kind of thing. So you might have someone in your team that says, I'm really interested in data analysis. And you're thinking, I know nothing about data analysts, you know, a- analytics. Um, so you as a manager, can't, I can't sit there and train them or, you know, I'll do anything like that. But the most powerful way is just to connect them. They don't have to be connected with someone in your company, use your network. You know, I've introduced lots of people that I manage to ex-employees and people in my network who do roles that really interest them, they want to know more about, just set them up on a call and chat about that. You know, that's not, you know, it's not a huge amount of my time that's taken, but you're connecting them with useful resources to open their eyes or learn more about stuff. So I think from, I think a lot of people struggle with the career progression and feel the burden of it as a manager and a company. But I think that connector element of it and making sure that the employee really understands that the that their career progress their career progression is their responsibility it's not their manager they're helped there to facilitate and help you know connect you with the right resources and people for them to you know for them to learn more and broaden their horizons in that sense yeah absolutely and you know we we completely um we completely agree with that as well we do that you know we there's mentors available to the team because the team is small you know and and like you say everyone's doing different things so your direct manager might not be someone that's doing your exact role or experiencing your challenges every day so I think that's a I think that's a great shout and I think that's really important um that we all do that you know however big the company is or however however small it is um And so what's the future, I guess? I think uh, just, you know, for the, for the, to finish with really, um, we're hopefully coming out of, uh, of, you know, lockdown now. I know you mentioned to me before um, that CapDesk was um, an agile working company anyway. Um, is that, is that something that you see continuing? Yeah, for sure. We actually made the decision to be a kind of remote first company in yes. July last year, yes. um, which obviously was hugely influenced by uh, what was going on in the world. But yeah, we are, I mean, we still have, because CapDesk was founded in Copenhagen, then an office was um, set up in London a couple of years later. <laughs> we do have, as a percentage at the moment, majority of people based in London and Copenhagen, but then we do have people in Quebec and and Germany and 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 all sorts of different other time zones and different cities. So it is remote first. So all of our socials are remote, um, but we do have sort of office hubs for people. For example, in London, we do have a space in Shoreditch. So if people want to go one, two days a week. So it's kind of that good balance. Yeah. Um, but the challenge is, even though we give people the flexibility to be able to go into the office, if they live in the cities like Copenhagen and London, where we do have a a, a, a kind of pied-à-terre office um we still need to make sure that all of our culture internal culture and um the socials etc that we do are geared towards uh everyone who works regardless of time zone and, and location i was going to say is that do you think having the, that sort of both options is going to cover it as in mm. you know what do you think people are looking for now potential candidates potential future cap desk employees like what do you think they're looking for 
Yeah, it's 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 honestly it's it's been really interesting because one of the main drivers behind us deciding to go remote first was to attract um, to attract a broader range of talent. So it you know we've got some amazing engineers who are dust all over the place that we've never been able to attract if we were just you know styling ourselves to the city. So it was majority to like I say broaden our horizons with those. Um, but I think that it kind of depends to be honest with you what we've found is people who live in cities so we have hired people very recently who are based in London even though we're remote first people who live in cities tend to seemingly want to have a better balance of sometimes going to the office sometimes working from home um but then when you know we've hired remote people who do work remotely they're very content with it being remote first and then not having the option to go into the city and sorry into the office maybe because that's what they're used to so that's why we've kind of we're called remote first but we do have that element of flexibility for those who do live in the you know in the two key cities to be able to go into the office because more likely what they want to do yeah absolutely and I, I think you know that's probably going to be um like that hybrid approach is probably going to be the future yeah. for a lot of people I mean I I experienced it I went into the office for the first time on Friday and it was like <laughs> hallelujah it was fantastic so I completely yeah I think having both options definitely definitely yeah, um, yeah okay brilliant well thank you so much for taking the time I really really appreciate it obviously it's all about really just giving a little bit of insight to, to those scale-ups as we said um to have some tips and tricks to have some guidance, to have some um, some reassurance that they're not alone, and it is it's absolutely you know a journey that everyone uh, everyone in that situation has to go through. And I think this has been so insightful to sort of think outside the box with 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 it a little bit. You know, don't necessarily pick all people that are that are exactly like you. Keep it keep it diverse. Yeah. Um, some great ideas with the technology. Um, some great ideas with keeping your EVP um, consistent throughout as you scale. Um, and obviously, you know, it's working because you've worked for some fantastic companies that have, have gone from strength to strength. So um, thank you so much. And um, yes, if there's anything, you know, uh, that you guys want to share in terms of coming and working at CapDesk and all the great things, I would definitely recommend people have a look at the website because uh, it looks like you've got lots of fun stuff going on. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Nikki.